0: Wake up with the press box with Granny and Bischoff weekday mornings at seven on ESPN Las Vegas KWWN in Las Vegas. This is the remix.
1: <laughs> 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 That's looped out to right field. You change the subject real quick on that loop out to right field. I'm just describing the action.
0: Pretty sure we don't have a seven, seven second delay. So, ooh.
1: Birthday plans? Football, that's uh, the
2: beauty of my birthday I get to, I I can't remember the last time I had a birthday uh, without playing football, so that's my favorite thing to do outside of hanging with my family, so um, yeah, it's great.
1: You know, I think that's for you guys to kind of, you know, dictate, you know, if, you know, if I have the edge or he has the edge and, you know, what we have over each other, you know, I think that's, that's kind of for the media to dictate and that's for the coaches to discuss, you know, as, as they make the decision.
0: I had to get, I had to watch out for the, the horse over there because the horse is on the field. That's right, they were. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they were. Yeah, um,
3: I think I was back in New England. Because um, I didn't, I had surgery like, you know, 10 days prior or whatever it was. But I was back in New England just rehabbing and getting to watch practice. That was pretty much the birthday of last year. Yeah. No, sir, just work, work, work. Man,
4: that's all we've been doing. So, yeah, so we don't got no time to play. <laughs>
3: It just crushed my dreams.
1: Boom. Sadness. That's the one.
3: Adam Candy in today for Ed Graney on the press box. Uh, and I want to jump back into the NFL, but with a very specific team. The New York Giants, and Adam, am I supposed to believe that an offensive lineman, John Feliciano, who was once with the Raiders. And the offensive line coach of the Giants teamed up to push and sucker punch a defensive player for the Giants? How about it? We're talking about the Giants as having fight. Not just
2: having fights, but having fight. How much fun is that? Oh, That's look a at blast. Look I'm excited you. about a team that gives a damn. That's awesome. <laughs> it's not Mike Glennon just sticking his necks out there every week and hoping for the best.
3: so I uh was Pat Leonard who tweeted out sort of a breakdown of what happened here apparently Saquon Barkley uh ran into a defender harder than had been the norm during this part of practice and the defense didn't like it and then three plays later John Feliciano the center for the Giants grabbed one of the linebackers Tay Crowder's head and pulled it down and as Pat Leonard tweeted, tried to knee him in the face, WWE style. And that led to uh, uh, basically a fight. Offensive line coach Bobby Johnson then pushed linebacker Cam Brown and John Feliciano sucker punched Brown. It sounds phenomenal. It sounds like a great fight that uh, had everything you could ask for it, except maybe somebody jumping off a ladder.
2: And then if you saw uh, Feliciano later on social media People were making memes of him dragging Crowder by the helmet and just putting funny stuff above them. And Feliciano said, I love it. I think we need to do a meme contest and the winner gets two tickets to the first home game. (laughs) So I think you take two things from that. First of all, you take from it that it's a training camp fight. These things happen. It's a million degrees out. Guys are frustrated these things are going to happen they happen at every camp just not maybe in quite as graphic visual form as someone grabbing the uh (laughs) what the Kubert helmet that, that they wear now uh and trying to you know pull a guy out so but i think also i just love the fact that it seems like the Giants care again because if the Giants care again, then I might get to care again. Oh, look at you.
3: You're all in on the Giants winning seven games this year. It's going to be fun. No, they um, need to win
2: eight so they beat the seven and a half.
3: Oh, that's right. We did. Yeah, we had this conversation. That's right. That's right. Eight wins. Sorry. Didn't mean to take that uh, win away. Thank but... you.
2: They need to finish one game out of the playoffs and give me something to whet my appetite for next year.
3: All right. Uh, back on the Raiders, though, uh, from reports from the media yesterday at practice. Chandler Jones did return. He missed four practices leading up to the hall of fame game. Then they had a you know few days off the hall of fame game and everything. So nobody saw him for basically a week, but he was back at practice suggesting that all's going to be good with Chandler Jones. However, Darren Waller was not at practice yesterday. He has now missed three practices in total. And that dates back like Chandler Jones to prior to the hall of fame game. So he has not been like viewed by the media in a week now. Um, Obviously, injury is the potential answer, maybe the most likely answer. There are no injury reports right now during training camp, so Josh McDaniels doesn't have to say anything about Darren Waller if he's simply injured. But Darren Waller, not a top 15 paid tight end this season, two years left on his contract, no guaranteed money. He's been asked about it. He's given quotes saying, I'm going to play. My agent's going to take care of it what are the chances that that is what this is about what are the chances that darren waller is holding in like we've seen a couple of players do because holdouts are kind of hard to do because you get fined so much like what are the chances that this is not injury related but contract related for darren waller
2: well, what would be notable tyler is that every other hold in in the nfl we know about it uh, every agent gets their Text lines to Schefter and Rappaport going immediately when it's a hold in. They want there to be public pressure on the team to get something out there. So I don't know. I, it would seem strange to me if Darren Waller were holding in and we didn't know didn't, anything about didn't it. Tell anybody, <laughs> right? Like what? What would that accomplish, right? I don't know. Un- unless Darren Waller really trusts this new management group uh, more than I would think an average football player with an average new regime would, I don't know what would be gained by not saying
3: something. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's the key detail because to me, like Ed and I have talked about this whole offseason. I'm sure I've done shows with you about it too. Like it makes sense for Darren Waller to to demand a new contract and hold in or whatever it would be. Like, I, I personally think he's being too selfless about it and not doing it because how many more times is he going to have a chance to cash in this year? He might be the third receiving options on this team. He's coming off an injury. You're like, there's a chance he just doesn't have that great of a season, and his value in terms of getting another contract is lower next offseason than it is right now. So, like, to me, he should be more selfish and should be trying to force the Raiders' hand into giving him a new contract but so far he has said he's gonna play He's letting let his agent handle it all that so that to me anytime waller's not out there is gonna make me think oh maybe there's something to it but the idea that there's no public reporting the idea that there's been nothing about yep he wants a new contract i think that throws enough cold water on it that it's injury related now there's another concern there with the injury part right if darren waller who's been out for A week now, or hasn't been seen, I guess we should say, by the media for a week. If this goes on for another few days, another week or so, then even if it's just injury-related, you start getting worried because how healthy is Darren Waller for the start of the season? That could be a completely different concern for the Raiders.
2: For a guy who missed half the season last year. So, and I'm not saying this specifically about Darren Waller. Don't anybody freak out saying, saying that I'm thinking that Darren Waller would jake it. But... If you have a guy who is going into a situation where he's looking for a new contract, where he's wanting to be paid better, we talk about it all the time. When those nicks and dings happen and a guy has to sit out a week or a guy has to sit out a few days, at what point does the business decision begin to come into play right at one point is a guy not going to push himself through a small soft tissue injury before it becomes a bigger thing where he misses half the season and doesn't have the ability to put a great season on film before he tries to go get paid so I'm not saying that Darren Waller would do that but these are all things that become questions through the silence and this could all be solved by a little bit of talking and a little bit of information on what goes on, but of course the NFL treats everything like the nuclear football.
3: Right. I mean, we make fun of the Golden Knights for doing lower body lower body, upper body stuff. If Darren Waller's hurt and Josh McDaniels just walked up to the podium yesterday or whenever and was like, yep, Darren Waller's out, he's got a lower body injury, we're, we're not having this conversation. We might be having the conversation about how injured is he and how long is he going to be out and they're not going to give that info, but like The whole idea of contract situation, if if McDaniel simply said that, I've made the argument twice now about Robin Leonard, and the Golden Knights have found themselves in two different situations where they refuse to say anything about Robin Leonard, and both times it's hurt Robin Leonard. The first one being when he had the concussion was out for a month, but the Golden Knights refused to say anything about why he was out, and there was like three weeks of people just questioning Robin Leonard's mental health. Like, did he disappear because of his mental health? And it's like, oh, no, he had a concussion the whole time. But the golden knights refused to say that and therefore robin leonard had three weeks of people questioning where he was when a simple he's out with a concussion would have completely eliminated all of those questions the same right now is with the raiders if they would come out and say hey darren waller's got a blank injury we're not having the conversation about is he holding out is there a contract dispute going on right now between him and the team well take it even one step back tyler i don't even think you have
2: to go as far as saying he has a blank injury I think you can just say, yeah, you know, a little rest management uh, with camp. Yeah, he's a little dinged up. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's got a personal thing. Like You could name any number of ways to deal with this without it letting letting it be silence and letting these things creep into the discussion. Now, they might not care about the discussion, right? Somehow, they might not be listening to ESPN Las Vegas at Raiders headquarters this morning. (laughs) I don't know why they wouldn't be, but... If they don't care, then they don't care. But the chatter around these things tends to grow and it starts with the beat reporters at camp and it gets to the national
3: reporters. And then when the chefters start asking questions, then you have a story. Uh, by the way, Tashawn Sean Reed, uh, who is at practice right now, tweeted out that he does not see Darren Waller out at practice this morning. So that would be four practices missed uh, unless I guess Darren Waller shows up late. Uh, seems unlikely. Um some other guys, by the way, notably Brandon Parker's not at practice. This is the second straight practice he's missed since the Hall of Fame game. Cleveland Furl, I don't remember the number, but Cleveland Furl missed some practices before the Hall of Fame game as well, and is still missing practice. So there might be a significant injury concern for him. Uh, Divine Diablo, Rockjason, Anthony Averett, some other guys that could be starters or at least playing, uh, missing practice today as well. But I'd say Brandon Parker, Cleveland Furl, and and Darren Waller probably the most uh, worrisome names because they've missed multiple practices at this point yeah and and here's the ridiculous part we're talking about
2: brandon parker like oh god is brandon parker gonna be ready to go for the raiders (laughs) yet there's a guy with a 55 pff grade last year like let's not make it out to be that this raiders offensive line is set to go they are far
3: from set to go there's got to be there's got to be an addition, right? I mean, they've still got the what is it, 26 million in cap space. There's got to be some sort of move for an offensive lineman before the season starts. There's we, I, and I've been saying this the whole offseason, so I'm getting to a point where I'm like maybe I'm crazy. But they st- there's got they cannot go into the season with the same offensive line with the offensive line they currently have constructed, right? Like that's got to change. So,
2: let's play this all the way out, Tyler. I think it's not going to change. I really do think they're going in with this particular group of offensive linemen. I don't think it's the soundest strategy, but I think they're gonna do it. So the counter to that, what people say is, well, McDaniels always knows how to get the ball out fast, right, like Tom Brady always had a quick time to throw. Right, but Tom Brady was generally throwing, what, 10 yard passes over the middle for the most part, And that means that you're looking for Hunter Renfro pretty damn often. Well, if the point is that we're trying to make Devontae Adams happen, then are we going to now see Derek Carr trying to become Aaron Rodgers operating out of the pocket and making things happen out of structure? Because that's never been the Derek Carr that has gotten the job done very well for the Raiders. Derek Carr has done a lot better when it happens within the structure and he stays in the pocket. So there are just a lot of pieces that all work in concert with the Raiders' offensive line being a struggle, not even to get into what is the running game going to look like with Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Amir Abdul is Amir White, and
3: whoever else they want to put back there. Hey 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 the run blocking looked very good against the Jacksonville Jaguars second team defense and Trayvon Walker. There's no doubt about it. They're going to be running for 220 yards a game, Adam. Be optimistic for once. Yep, yep. Josh
2: Allen didn't play, and the Jacksonville Jaguars defense looked fantastic. Coming up next, it's Fish Off Briefs. Hey, Las Vegas. What's the best part of hockey? It's a three-on-three overtime. So how about overtime all the time? Well, you saw it with three ice in June, and now we're back best part of hockey is back where it started as three ice returns to orleans arena on august 20th to wrap up their inaugural season for the three ice championships it's hair on fire hockey action so be there as the three ice champion is crowned and the patrick cup is hoisted for the first time ever don't miss this historic hockey moment visit threeice.com and get your tickets today 5x480 dayton b100 v belt one of the many parts granger carries it's also the item that helped rob carry the day the job was on hold deadline fast approaching but a quick search on Granger.com and Rob found his part. And with same-day pickup at his local branch, he and his crew got the job done safely and on time. Get supplies and solutions for every industry with real-time product availability. Call, clickgrainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done
4: around $200. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free upside app now.
0: Download the free upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code fun for a $5 bonus on your first tank. That's promo code fun. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, to PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free upside app and use promo code fun for a $5 bonus on your first tank. That's code fun for a $5 bonus. This summer is the perfect time to hit the open road in a new Chevy. With its impressive towing capability, Chevy Silverado is open to taking the boat out and making some waves. With its off-road capabilities, Chevy Trailblazer is open to new points of view. And with its many safety features, Chevy Equinox is open to added confidence on your weekend getaways. See how a new Chevy can help you go a little farther this summer. See your Southern Nevada Chevy dealers.
2: This season, get in the game with the William Hill Pro Pick'em Football Contest. Just pick the winning teams, no point spreads, and take home your share of up to $1,210,000 in cash prizes. For a $25 entry fee, you'll be picking for your share of $10,000 in weekly prizes. For the 2022 season, get to 215 season wins and stake your claim to a
4: $1,000,000 cash bonus. Register today as Week 1 Picks must be in by kickoff on Sunday, September 11th. For more details and to see a list of participating locations, visit williamhill.us. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Call or text one 800 522 700. Get back to school in style. The Volkswagen Tiguan is the versatile compact SUV that can fit all your needs. With IQ Drive, you'll have peace of mind with driver assistance technology that helps enhance safety and reduce your stress on the road. Right now, get the sleek, strong, and smart Tiguan as low as 4.51% APR for five years. Find yours at Finley Volkswagen Henderson in the
3: Valley Auto Mall.
4: 2022 Tiguan for highly qualified customers through VW Credit. See dealer for details. Expires 831 2022. Finley Volkswagen.
3: If you were referred to a lawyer at the scene of a car accident, did you know you may be a victim of a crime? I'm attorney Matt Hoffman with Battleborne Injury Lawyers. In Nevada, it is illegal to recommend a lawyer to an accident victim at the scene. And if a lawyer pays someone to harass accident victims at the scene, that's a crime too. So unless you want to hire a criminal attorney, don't sign up with someone just because you were pressured at the scene. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers at 570-9000. When did the practice of law become more about
2: the lawyer than the client? If you choose a celebrity lawyer to represent you, it can cost you. I'm Justin Watkins with Battleborne Injury Lawyers, where you matter, and that does matter. These billion-dollar-a-year insurance companies bank on you hiring champagne and caviar lawyers who will roll over on your case and move on to the next one. Don't get shortchanged by your insurance company or by your lawyer. Call Battleborne Injury Lawyers today at 5709000. That's 5709000.
4: I'm Matt Dunston, local general manager at Les Olson IT. I'm excited to let you know that Les Olson IT is here. We've been providing Sharp systems for nearly 70 years. We are Sharp's largest dealer, with new Sharp copiers in stock, including installation, training, and maintenance. Les Olson IT is your best choice for office technology. Visit lesolson.com today. Join Cofield and Company for our weekly
2: Thursday show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Show starts at 3. Happy hour starts at 3 with two seventy-seven on Margaritas, Beers, and Shots. Come down, watch, and bet two preseason NFL games. Giants and Patriots. Tennessee's facing Baltimore. There's daily gaming specials and great giveaways like the Wednesday Great Gas Card Giveaway. $50 gas cards given away from 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock every 15 minutes. 3 o'clock start this Thursday. The live Cofield and Company, the Bud Light Lounge, inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, on Flamingo and Paradise with ESPN Las Vegas.
0: The WNBA season is here, and you can check out our Aces watch parties at Parkway Tavern all season long. You'll be able to register to win tickets in the ESPN Fan Zone for upcoming home games. See what new coach Becky Hammond brings to the team. See your favorites on the court. Just make sure you watch the Las Vegas Aces this season. Be all in and registered to win tickets in ESPN's Fan Zone sponsored by WestStar Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen Henderson. Collectors! Collectors. Front Row Card Show is back at Tuscany Casino in Las Vegas on August 13th and 14th. Baseball, football, basketball, and hockey cards. All your favorite autographs, plus Pokemon, Marvel, non-sports cards, and comic books. Beckett and CBCS will be there. So bring your cards and comics to sell, trade, or get them graded. Thousands of dollars in free prizes. Join us on Saturday night for trade night. Don't Don't miss miss it. it. Front Row Card Show, Saturday and Sunday, August 13th and 14th, 11 to 5. For more info, go to FrontRowCardShow.com. That's FrontRowCardShow.com. Right now, save $800 on a
2: Purple Mattress Hybrid Sleep System that lets you sleep softly, but firmly, and at the perfect temperature. Plus, get up to a $300 free gift, quick delivery, and easy financing, too. Best mattress. Sleep easy, friends.
3: Bischoff's Briefs. Speaking as an extremely clever person, I feel a bit personally attacked by the concept of an evil genius. Anti intellectualism is rife in the world today, encouraged no small amount by a media concerned that their advertisers' claims that their breakfast cereal induces hallucinogenic bliss and woodland creatures might not hold up to rigorous academic study.
1: Bischoff's Briefs.
3: Well, let's see how far your f- street smarts and common sense get you when you need someone to figure out how to turn a city sized plot of oceanic waste plastic into drinkable water and hospital grade insulin. Bischoff's Briefs. Just because I'm smarter than everyone else, doesn't mean I look down on people. Someone has to make my sandwiches. Just because I can envision a vastly more efficient society with myself as absolute dictator doesn't mean I want to go to that amount of trouble. Just because I ordered the installation of an oubliette in my basement doesn't mean I have sinister intentions for it. Bischoff's Briefs. So stop asking questions and get your jackhammer out. Bischoff's Briefs today, taking a look at the Golden Knights and their new contract with Nick Waugh, a five-year extension that will pay him $3 million per season. By the way, leaves the Golden Knights with just two restricted free agents left to sign, Nick Haig and Jake Leshizan. But first off, Adam, how do you feel about the Golden Knights breaking the Nick Waugh contract extension on TikTok? I've
2: downloaded TikTok. I've never
3: oh, wow. What'd you download it for?
2: I downloaded it when there was noise during the previous presidential administration that it was going to be banned. And I wanted to have it before it got banned. And then it just sits there on my phone.
3: (laughs) Okay. Uh, As someone who watches TikToks every single day, I don't mind them trying to break news on TikTok. However, my problem is this. The Golden Knights did not actually make a TikTok to do this. They just posted a video of Nick Waugh talking monotone into a camera saying, I'm very excited to be here for another five years. That's not a TikTok. There was nothing special about that. That was just a video that they would normally post to Twitter. They need to do something creative with their TikTok videos. Uh, You're not on there, so you would know, but the Buffalo Bills have the probably the best TikTok of any sports team who actually post creative videos, not just their players monotone talking into a camera. So I guess I appreciate the uh, opportunity to dive into a new medium, but the execution failed miserably. Now, I do want to ask you this. We talked about this a little bit yesterday when the Keegan Colasar contract, uh, when he had got his extension done, but you look at this golden Knights team, and we kind of know who the top six will be, maybe not what order they'll play in. But is Nick Wah the seventh best forward on this team?
2: Ooh okay, well, Max Paeretti, oh sorry. <laughs> um, no, um maybe at the moment, and I, I look, I don't have a hard ranking in front of me at, at the moment, but I, there were moments with Nick Wah last year where he looked like a top six guy where he looked okay. like he could fit on those top two lines i mean we saw him on the top two lines we've seen it for for example so i I think if you're going to go for a medium dollar five-year contract he's a guy that's worth it
3: well so it's to me it's less about the actual contract he signed because i don't three million over five years is ultimately going to be fine and we're probably going to be one of their better contracts in the future when some of these other guys are getting much older but i think the the main thing is you look at the Gold knights especially coming off the injuries they had last year, and their chances to be a Stanley Cup contender, they're a lot, uh, they're top-heavy, and they're more top-heavy this year than they've ever been, and your third line is potentially something along the lines of Nick Waugh, William Carrier, and Keegan Colasar, or Michael Amadio, like, something like that. It's not going to be that good of a third line, but, okay, you're top-heavy and your top two lines, maybe they're good enough to sort of overwhelm and make it less relevant, how good your bottom six are. But given the injury season we just had, given that Mark Stone had back surgery and I have zero confidence that that's just going to be a non-issue into the future, like this team is like two injuries away from Nick Waugh and William Carrier, Nolan Patrick, like those types of names playing in the top six, which if it has to happen for four or five games, fine. If it has to happen for a month, that's when I think you get into like this scary situation of what, how exactly good are the golden Knights going to be if they have even average or in worst case scenario, bad injury luck this season.
2: I don't want to get too fired up about this and sound like Gerard Gallant with there's no first line, second line, third line. But I think back to the original golden Knights and the fact that George McPhee came out after year one and said, yeah, aren't good enough. And mind you, You had guys like Perron and Hall on that second line who had pretty good seasons overall, and their third line was better than their second line. So I think where you worry for the Golden Knights is less about, well, the top-heavy part and more about where you start to worry about, all right, just how bad is the depth, right? Because if you can credibly replace fourth-line players or third-line players, then it's no big deal, right? But there is no replacing those guys at the top, even though... Guys like Nick Waugh have shown they can move up a level. It's a question of, okay, when we say next man up, who is the next man up?
3: I also do wonder if Bruce Cassidy's answer to this might be to sort of spread it out a little bit more. Like, you could very easily just say, oh, it'll be Stone, Michael, Stevenson, and it'll be Carlson, Marshall, and Smith at your top six. But I do wonder how much Cassidy will potentially, and especially in the regular season, maybe not as much in the postseason, But how much would Cassidy spread it out? How much would he decide, okay, we're not going to be as top-heavy as it looks. We're going to move some guys around and have, you know, three lines with a couple of good players on each one. That way it's not, you know, Amadio, Ben Hutton or something like that, and Keegan Colas are on the line together.
2: So the question then becomes, how much can the players that you spread out elevate other players, right? That has been the question all along, right? What we saw was that when you had Pacioretty and Stone, it kind of didn't matter who was in between them. Chandler Stevenson proved to be the best option of everybody, but they were producing no matter who centered that line.
3: Yeah, and if, if Stone can continue to do that, there's a genuine logic to put him away from Jack Eichel. Now, postseason matchups, maybe you need to put them with Ike or whatever, but there's reason to think that that could be the best way to get production out of the entire lineup because Stone, when he was with Pacioretty, they did it with, it didn't really matter who you put there with him. They were going to be good. Mark Stone maybe not 100 health. We'll see how his whole health is this year. But if he's still that guy, there's reason to do that. And and similarly, uh, Marsh, So Carlson and Smith, you can break them up to an extent and put a different guy on that uh, line, and maybe you get similar type numbers. So I'm I'm curious to see what they do because outside of forward group, they're they're actually pretty deep defensively. They're top six assuming they get Nick Haig signed in here. They're top six defensively. They're gonna be pretty good. They should be pretty good. And then goaltender's a big question beyond that, right? Potentially Logan Thompson's good, but it's a very small sample size. What's Robin Leonard's health situation? If he's Robin Leonard at the top of his game, Robin Leonard's excellent, but he's been injured a lot since he's been in Vegas. He had shoulder surgery. There's not a timeline, or at least a public timeline, on when he's coming back. So, like, we honestly don't know when the Robin Leonard return is it could he could be ready to go for game one you could be talking about well it's logan thompson laurent brossois for 10 15 20 maybe more games than that so there's a few question marks there but i I do think goaltender and defensively they're probably going to be pretty good this year it'll be more about that bottom six and how good is it actually and that might be the biggest hole on this team going forward but uh, should be good we'll see how good nick was all right coming up next We might, hopefully, we're talking to the commissioner of the IFL, Todd Triumph.
2: Shotgun snap, Dukes dumps it off left side to a wide open Crockwright. 20 of Arizona, 15 right side numbers to the 10, sideline 5, and he is in. Touchdown, Nighthawks. On a 40-play,
3: a 40-yard pitch and catch, the dump off from Cameron Dukes to Jordan
0: Crockwright as he takes it to the house. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Featuring Adam Candy.
3: We do not have Todd Tryon, the commissioner of the IFL, but the IFL championship game is in Las Vegas this month. If we get Todd, we'll uh, bring him to you shortly, hopefully. But in the meantime, um, the Angels, reportedly before the trade deadline, uh, explored, had some interest maybe, in trading away shohei otani they ultimately did not he is still an angel otani was quoted last week uh, through a translator saying that it was hard to be motivated uh given that the angels are so far out of the playoff race that they are not contenders whatsoever shohei otani will be a free agent after the 2023 season so the angels have him for one more year beyond this so first off on the team side the team level of this how seriously do you think the angels should have explored trading away shohei otani
2: extremely seriously they should have been looking to trade shohei otani almost immediately because of this do you know how much money shohei otani is making this year
3: is it it's it's under 10 million right
2: five and a half million dollars he made $3 million in 2021, and that's all because of the way that uh, Big Bobby Manfred changed the international uh, posting system Big from Bobby. the Japanese leagues, uh, just another way to artificially limit salaries. But Shohei Otani, in a situation where many people thought, okay, he'll just wait a few years to come over until he can get paid, chose to come over and still get paid basically like a utility infielder so if you're Shohei Otani you're not taking a discount from the Angels so if the Angels believe that they want to have Shohei Otani beyond 2023 they're not getting any sort of discount on what you would get him for as a free agent and I think Shohei Otani would understand very well that if he wanted to go back to the Angels and let's just pause there based on everything Shohei (laughs) Otani has said he does not want to stay with the Angels but if he did You're going to pay the same price you would if you traded him away now and got a haul of assets to make this team better. Look, Artie Moreno should be in prison, not only uh, for the bribery scheme that blew up uh, the sale of the Angels Stadium land, but also he should be in baseball prison for Mike Trout and Shohei Otani completely wasting their primes. Mike Trout has played in one playoff series. How is this possible? Mike Trout has never been to the World Series because they've never been able to surround the best player in baseball with sufficient talent. And that was the idea of bringing in Shohei Otani. Well, guess what? Even Shohei Otani hasn't been able to elevate everything that's gone on around him. So they should have traded him. And if
3: they wanted him back, they should have just been prepared to spend the money in the first place. I know it's not a great comparison because it's a salary cap sport versus a non-salary cap sport, but we talk all the time about rookie contracts in the NFL, especially with quarterbacks and how much value they provide you. Shohei Otani making five million dollars while being like a top ten AL pitcher and a top ten AL hitter is unbelievable and like the best value in the sport, and they're still not even close. Like it'd be it'd be one thing if the Angels. Like, we're an 80-win team, and it was like, oh, they, you know, came up five games short of a playoff spot or something like that. But they, two years in a row, they're not, they're not even going to be remotely close. They're going to be the fourth-best team in the division again.
2: So outside of Shohei Otani, let's just take the last, I guess we'll say five years of Mike Trout's prime, right? Who's been the best pitcher for the Angels?
3: Uh... Raciel Iglesias, the closer they just traded.
2: Right. (laughs) Go back and try to figure out who the Angels have surrounded these guys with in terms of pitching, because they've never done it, and they've never really even tried. right? We heard they tried to sign Garrett Cole. Well, if they wanted to sign Garrett Cole, they would have signed Garrett Cole, and they would have brought him back home to Orange County, but they didn't. And so the best pitcher I can remember during that era is Jared Weaver. Yeah. And we gotta go back a ways to get to Jared Weaver. So again, if you're the angels right now, you had Shohei Ohtani for $3 million in his MVP season. It might be the single most return on investment that anyone got in professional sports last year. They absolutely should have traded him. Now, when you, you mentioned something also, Tyler, and I wanna put this back to you. When it comes to translators uh, for athletes who are speaking in a second language, Shohei Otani has pretty consistently been very matter of fact, right? He's It's been very much straight down the middle when they've said, well, how do you feel? And he's been like, I want to win, right? And then you ask him a question like this and he says, yeah, it's hard to stay motivated. There's not a lot of hyperbole in situations where I think otherwise we would be adding hyperbole to it. Do you take quotes with a grain of salt when they're second language quotes coming from an interpreter?
3: Yeah, I think I do on a some degree like it's certainly not the player saying exactly and you don't you don't get the emotion of the player too especially if you're watching it you don't always get the emotion of what it is so it's it's comes across a little drier or a little bit more okay we do take it with a grain of salt but joining us now the commissioner of the indoor football league todd tryon good morning todd how are you today well good morning i'm doing great uh the ifl championship game is here in las vegas on saturday the quad city steamrollers taking on the Northern Arizona Wranglers. But Todd, I, I wanted to ask you something because you've been a part of the IFL for a long time, league's been around since 2008. We see a lot of non-NFL football leagues, whether they're indoor or outdoor, that pop up and don't always survive. What's like the overall key? Like how, how has the IFL survived for so long when we see so many of the leagues fail?
1: Well, it always starts with great ownership. And I think uh, through the years, we've done a great job of, of, understanding what our vision is and and what we're trying to attract and when you can start attracting, you know, your your Bill Foley's of the world, you know that uh, your your league's doing something right.
2: And when you look at the game itself, I remember I I covered the Las Vegas Gladiators of the Arena Football League back in the early 2000s. And I'm curious, how has the game itself evolved over time? How, How have you seen indoor football move along?
1: You know, for our, our league specifically, we're a little more like the outdoor set of rules. Where the Arena Football League had some gimmicks in there designed for high scoring, and I think that's kind of what's unique about our rule set, as it can transition to the outdoor game. The, the consumer can sit there and understand the rule set a little bit instead of sixties and seventies. We're forties we're and fifties, and you know, our, our you know our league has risen. When we first got going here years ago, we were at D two D three level, and and if you look at our rosters now, it's riddled with uh, high-level D1 athletes.
3: I'm, I'm curious when you bring up ownership being important and and Bill Foley being a part of this. What was that process like with Bill Foley? How much of it was presenting to him? Like, hey, you know, you owning an IFL team. And how much was it was Bill Foley like coming to you guys and being like, hey, I, I want to own an IFL team?
1: You know, to, to be honest, I have to give all all credit to to Chuck and Mary Brennan of, of the Dollar Loan Center. They're actually the one that uh, you know brought the idea to to Bill Foley, and, and Bill loved it. And you know, they partnered up, and you know, Chuck's a, a, an old friend of mine from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and, and called and said, "Hey, I got a a hot owner here who wants part of your league. What do we got to do?" And, and you know, so I would. Chuck was really the driving.
3: Did we lose Todd? Did we lose everybody? Did I get? We well, didn't
2: lose you. Didn't lose me, Tyler. You'll okay. never lose me.
3: Did we? Okay, Todd, are you still there?
1: Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me?
3: Yes, yes, we got you. Yeah, we lost you in the middle. Uh, in the middle there with uh, uh, talking about the on, bringing on Bill Foley. Yes.
2: So now, uh, Todd, as we looked at the facility here, uh, I'm someone who uh, I live right near. Uh, where the dollar loan center is i've been very impressed with uh what what they've done with that facility why was that the right place to host this championship game
1: Uh, you know it goes back to the support of the dollar loan center it goes back to the the anytime you're looking at a neutral venue and this is the first time we've gone neutral it's always been uh, whoever had the top seat is who was hosting uh the size of the facility was ideal it's a very intimate setting and then you walk in there you're like yeah this was made for indoor football and uh, it, it, it's a destination city. It's a destination location. And so as we sit here and, and bring all the ownership groups in and they're bringing all their coaches in and they're bringing their fans in, uh, it, it's just it's an ideal place to uh, have a neutral championship game.
3: So uh, what was the thought process behind that when you go from having it at home arenas to neutral arenas? And how big was the concern of, okay, if we do it at a neutral place, getting the attendance that you want for a championship game?
1: Well, you know, the, the, the positives is is, and this year we had 10 to 12 weeks. We, we made the deal back in May, and, and by the time you really get things going, you got 11 weeks to uh, start the promotion and, and get things going. And, and so this year we had a very short timeline on, on doing it. Uh, now, after our game, September, or I'm sorry, August 14th, we'll start the promotion for next year. And I think that's the benefit of it is you've got 12 months to sit here and prepare, where traditionally, you know, our conference championship game just got done last weekend, you would be only having you know, two weeks to ten days to prepare for that national championship game.
2: With these two organizations that are in your championship game with Quad Cities and Northern Arizona, what stands out to you uh, as the commissioner of the league about how they've gotten
1: here? You know, there are two unsuspected teams of being in this, and, and I think that's what makes it fun. Is anytime you have uh, you know two teams that were not at the top, or not the top seeds, it gives everybody else hope. You know, when we sit here, we've got a 14-team league. Uh, you know, you, you've got a lot of teams that, that see these two teams specifically. Uh, Northern Arizona was one 13 last year in their first year of play. Quad Cities, uh, they've been dormant since 2019 due to COVID, and here they are, their first year out of it. They're kind of a 500 team throughout the season, and both of them got hot at the right time. And you always want to peak late July and and you're seeing an example of that.
3: You guys have 14 teams now. I believe it's two more coming, expanding to 16. What's the overall goal? What's the overall number you would like the IFL to be at?
1: You know, it, it's kind of a moving number because you're never going to say no to great ownership group, but 24 is is the goal. We're in two conferences right now. Ideally, you'd like to get into two divisions in each conference. Uh, you know, we, we've got a great conference here out west, and we got a great one in, in the Midwest, and we're kind of, poking our head out there east and uh you know so the development you can see will will fall in around the west and the midwest uh, as we continue to uh, build a national footprint
3: well he is todd tryon the commissioner of the indoor football league their championship game quad city in northern arizona is this saturday in henderson at the dollar loan center todd we appreciate your time this morning thanks for joining us
1: my, my pleasure it's going to be a great event
3: so there is Todd Tryon. And again, Saturday out of the Loan Center in Henderson. You can head out for the IFL Championship. Vegas Nighthawks just completed their first season in the IFL. And now we've got some tickets to give away. If you want to go see Rob Zombie playing with Mudvayne and Powerman 5000, Saturday, August 13th, that's this Saturday, at Michelob Ultra Arena, we got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. You get Rob Zombie tickets for this Saturday at Michelob Ultra Arena. 702-364-1100. If you want to go see Rob Zombie, be caller number 11 right now. I was in there working out one
1: morning and, and Bill brought me in um, to his office and just said, "Hey, you know, we're uh, we're going to trade you to Vegas, you know, to to Josh and them and um, you know, really appreciate you and everything you've done here. And you know, I think him just being able to you know play for those guys and a part, be a part of that organization, um, you know, was a blessing. You know, coming out of college, so uh, it was it was a great it was a great conversation.
0: You're locked in the press box.
3: Congratulations to Salvador, who won tickets to go to the Three Ice Championship. Landry won a pair of tickets to go see Zayn Lamprey, the comedian. And Anthony won the Rob Zombie tickets just a few minutes ago. We should have tickets to all three of those events tomorrow as well. So if you are interested in any of those, tune in. We've got tickets tomorrow to give away as well. Um, according to all the media out covering Raiders practice, we had our first fight at Raiders training camp. Yeah, uh, Adam is very pro fight at training camp this morning. He likes to see the fight in the New York Giants, the WWE style fights. Uh, apparently, Max Crosby and Dylan Parham started the fracas today at Raiders training camp Whoa. during a one-on-one drill. It was a so, fracas. It was.
2: Yeah. A, I, I hear it was a Donnie Brook.
4: Okay, as long <laughs> as it didn't go full brouhaha.
3: Oh. Now you guys are going to make me scroll back through here and see who used the word fracas because I am st- I stole that from somebody on Twitter. But Max Crosby, Dylan Parham got in a fight. I think as long as Max Crosby didn't get hurt, Josh McDaniels will be happy with it.
2: Right. Isn't that the biggest problem here that it's Max Crosby who's involved? Like It would be a very Raiders thing if somehow Max Crosby's hand got broken in a fight oh. with Dylan Parham.
4: Okay, so this reminds me of one time in one time. Well, not one time. We had them yearly, but we were having a race riot in my cafeteria and our quarterback was about to throw a punch. And our literally literally our head football coach just came out of nowhere, picked him up and kept running and just got him the hell out of the like he just literally like picked him up like a baby and just kept running and got him out of the fray.
3: It's a good coach. One of the best coaching moves he probably made in his entire career.
4: Yeah, well, we won three seasons and we won three games in four seasons. So, yeah, we need to protect that guy.
3: Would have been zero in four seasons if he hadn't done that. Come on. You got to you got to protect the quarterback. I mean, listen, NFL wise, if Josh McDaniels saw Derek Carr about to punch somebody's helmet, he should run in there and try to grab him, too. Well, well, we've already seen
2: we've already seen Josh McDaniels get mad at a defender who got too close to Derek Carr during sure. training <laughs> camp. Right? We know he's out there playing police.
3: <laughs> you don't want to watch Jarrett Stidham for the entire season? That'd be fun. Oh, it?
2: Nick Mullins, come on, Nick Mullins. Oh. So, uh, who is the player that you think if someone started to like, who would be the least likely player that someone would start a training camp fight with? Do you think it'd be Jordan Davis from the Eagles? Oh, the like entire the dude, NFL. Okay. Like like who in the NFL would be like it, it was always well known that like in baseball that like if you go out there and try to attack Kyle Farnsworth, you're going to get your neck ripped off. <laughs> like like everybody knew like that dude could hit you with a hundred in the head and you're just gonna trot down to first base. But like who's
3: who's that guy in the NFL? Okay. So who's this basically who's like the scariest guy in the NFL? that you wouldn't I, want to get in a fight with. Could, well, because I could have answered that
2: question in the past, cause, but now Richie Incognito has retired.
4: <laughs> well, it wouldn't even be the, the actual fight with Richie. It would be the fight is over, and Richie accidentally steps on your neck.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. It <laughs> would accidentally be Christian being yeah.
4: in big quotation marks.
2: Yeah, yeah it, it would be what would happen to you in the locker room after,
4: right? <laughs> <You know>? Jesus, <laughs> It's not so much that he punched me, it's what he said.
2: <laughs> oh. Okay, so you don't have an answer for me. Like, there's, there, there's no NFL not... player that you're just clearly Who? terrified of. Maybe, I mean, uh,
3: me personally, I'm terrified of all of them, but well, not all right. one so, that uh... I think other NFL players should be terrified of. Just, just the one. All guy. right, let,
2: let me let me flip this on his head. Aaron let, Hernandez. Re... Aaron, well, <laughs> dear... rest in peace. Uh, uh, let Let me change this. Lotus Broadcasting person.
3: Oh, that I'd be afraid to go get in a fight with. Okay. Like,
2: like, and why is it Willie?
3: <laughs> is is Willie? How's Willie's
2: knee? Is he walking okay? It, it's not that. I'm not concerned about the knee. It's the fact that low man is always going to win, and yeah, Willie's and... got that fire hydrant build to him <laughs> where it's like, I, I'm not going to get under him, and he's probably just going to be able to go through me.
3: Yeah, but like willie's nice so like i don't yeah, that's i think Willie that is Mike, true <laughs> like he's he'll he'll beat me but he's not gonna go over the top with it like he's gonna like stop oh that's an excellent point you like, know like I,
2: I i worry all right let me bring up another one. i think someone like jvt who, who who likes to hurt with words on occasion I, I think he might like be able to like if he got a good punch in on you and then like while you're down he might look at you and go you're really
3: ugly <laughs> so you're worried about the emotional toll as long as the as, as well as the physical. Well,
2: part. I'm just saying, there's no one who clearly, other than Willie, like you said, who's probably too nice to really hurt you. Like, what what else could someone do that I would be scared of? Right, I'm not sure who who or what
3: it would be. Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like I mean, who who would not would Cofield stop? Would Cofield have the niceness and be like, "All right, that's enough. Well, I've Co- proven
2: my point." Cofield would take his 29 pounds of meat and just swing them at you. Yeah, I
4: was about to say.
1: Right. Like, he'd just take
2: a giant side of frozen beef and beat you. That could be dangerous because, you know, cofields he's a Jersey guy. He might know a person or two who might, uh, you know,
4: who might jump in. Wasn't, I mean, wasn't there a wrestler in the 90s whose, like, finishing move was to just sit on the other wrestler? I feel like that would be Cofield's final move.
2: Yeah, uh, what's, uh, uh, Rikishi? Was it Rikishi? I think it might have been Rikishi. That that is now That by the way, that is the third wrestling reference on this show. I've been counting because we already had a Degeneration X earlier from David Roth. Right? And then we had a WWE mention from Tyler before, and now we've moved on to wrestlers who sit on
3: your face. I mean, well, my mine was reading that that was the description that one of the Giants beat writers had. Was that it was a WWE style meet of the faith from John Feliciano. So you're right though. But like I, I will say, every Tuesday when David Roth is on, I feel like he probably mentions wrestling at least, at least once during that interview. Somehow he works it in.
2: I want to be, please add me to this 65 Mets fan group chat that he has going. <laughs> I need to see the conversation in there and just how depressing it is.
3: I was going to say, you don't have anything you actually have to say or add. You just want to witness the... the
1: oh, no
2: I, want, no, I want to lurk hard. Like, I would, I want to lurk so hard. <laughs>